Thank you, Gabrielle. All right, well, good morning. It's, it's great to be with you, you in the room and you at home. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here this morning. And uh, man, 2020 has been, has been something, hasn't it? It's been, I, I, I think it's safe to say, a disappointment. Um, I remember preaching to the youth group and being so excited about 2020, mostly because the numbers, 2020, I just thought that was cool. But uh, just kind of speaking about the possibilities, and it is, it is disappointed a little bit. If, um, like right now, I'm speaking to a room full of, of masked figures, if you had told the uh, 2019 Jason that this would be happening, I would have thought it was some sort of VBS, like animal costume party or something like that, uh, something of that sort. Or if you took a selfie right now and, uh, and with those around you and were able to show it to your 2019 self, uh, your 2019 self would be understandably confused and concerned. And then, the, but wait, there's more 2019 self. There's, there's riots, there's buildings burning, there's an, formerly an autonomous zone in the middle of a city, there's talk of civil war. 2019, you would probably start packing to go to New Zealand, mostly to see the Lord of the Rings stuff, but also for the, the COVID and the, the safety. Uh, and so there are many things out there right now that threaten to negatively impact us. From, from angry Facebook posts to national economic concerns, that neighbor who has a different take on the coronavirus one way or the other than you, or the, the fear of international wars even. And the attribute, the attribute that means I can make it through all of that, that means after all the calamity I'm still going to be standing is called strength. Would you like some strength? some fortitude, some enduring confidence. You know, that, that's God's desire for us as well. He commands, you can put the verse up, Rob. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. It's a, it's a command to us to be strong. You want to be strong. Your wife wants you to be strong. Your husband wants you to be strong. Your neighbor wants you to be strong. Your boss wants you to be strong. May the Lord build us up so that we can face the continued trials of 2020. And we've been through so much already. But today, what we're going to think about is the right kind of strength and the right kind of resistance, the, the actual correct resistance, the right power and the right enemy. And the first thing we want to bring out as we look at Ephesians 6 is the phrase, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The right kind of strength is strength in the Lord. The, what you need in 2020 for the rest of it to survive is strength in the Lord. Not strength in general, but strength from a particular place. The thing that best fortifies your heart is not the good plans that you've concocted, is not your connections, it's not the books that you've read or the people that you know. This is the strength God wants for you, strength that comes from him, the strength of his own glorious might. You know, it says in Matthew 
I think it's 5.3, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And, and we might think that there's a contradiction here. We're supposed to be, um, the, we're going to say, blessed are the poor in spirit, makarios, blessed, happy. Or, and, but at the same time, God is commanding us to be strong. But that's the beauty of it. Blessed are you if you give up finding strength in yourself and come to the God of immeasurable power and ability. Blessed are you if you are poor enough in spirit to see your need for strength in him. Blessed indeed, be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. You know, gr- grammatically, if, if you'll allow me to, to speak grammatically a little bit, be strong in the Lord, the, the word is, is a passive participle. And so it, someone else is doing the action. You could, you could translate it, be strengthened by, in the Lord. You could translate it, do, just do, do the things that get you to that well of strength in God. Which is, of course, coming to him and prayer and clinging to what he has said as the Spirit works in that. Moses was the leader of Israel spiritually and militarily as they wandered around in the desert after leaving Egypt 1,300 years ago. And after Moses died, a poor guy named Joshua had to take over. What would it be like to take over for probably the third greatest person in all of time? You know, the third greatest man, I would, I would say, that ever lived. And so now Joshua needs to lead them spiritually and militarily as they conquer the promised land. And here is what God says to him. He says, have I not, you guys know the verse, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and don't be frightened. And I like this verse because it it tells us why. He goes on and kind of helps us understand that in the Lord part Why? Because of God. Because God is teaching Joshua to be strong in him. Because God will be with you always. Wherever you go, the Lord your God is with you, Joshua. That's why. Not, don't be strong in your your stock market choices, in in your home gym. He is to be strong in the Lord. And he is to bring that promise into the fabric of his being. That's important. That God is with him wherever he goes. That truth brought deep down into his heart. So that when he is, when he's uncertain, when he's about to lead a, 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 an army, the night before many of his friends may die if he makes a mistake, God wants him to know that God is with him. And he is to draw strength from what God has promised. But another thing that we can see in here is God preparing Joshua for resistance. They are on the edge of the promised land. They have many battles ahead of them. And God is setting up Joshua with what he is going to need. God sees how much courage it will take for Joshua. God sees what you are going to go through in 2020, what you're going to go through in 2021, the things that you'll need. And so God gives them to him beforehand in the in the form of this promise and this command like when was the last time someone has started a sentence to you have i not commanded you now even if you have kids you probably aren't using that one very much have i not commanded you to pick up your clothes 
That's a strong statement. He's really getting his point across. He's being very firm. And it's, we should know that he has commanded him to be strong and courageous before. And he will later. Because God knows Joshua. He knows this guy. And what he's going to need. And what he's going to need as he encounters resistance. As he encounters everything that is in front of him. Uh, that is in his future. That he, that he will come up against. You know, strength doesn't make sense without resistance. You know, if in, when you're in space and you're working out in space, it doesn't do anything because your 30-pound weight doesn't weigh 30 pounds. It weighs nothing. You, know, you need resistance or else your, your like, strength doesn't make sense. You're, it literally goes away from your body. You'll atrophy. There's no such thing of strength without resistance. And personally, I haven't tried to conquer many ancient Near Eastern nations recently. Recently. And luckily, and physical enemies aren't really a thing, even in 2020 right now. Physical enemies with swords going after you, praise God. Uh, but we certainly, certainly have resistance. We certainly have things that we are going against. The calamity coming forward in all, in all the different myriads of ways for which we need strength. And so let's go back to our verse, our Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm sorry, Rob, I'm, I'm messing with you. It's all Ephesians 6. I'm just throwing things out at him. Put on the whole armor of God. There we go. So that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or politicians and neighbors with differing COVID beliefs or even the coronavirus itself, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The resistance, the biggest threat in 2020 is still the devil and spiritual forces. The devil, his forces, and his plans. Now, I appreciate the, the nods and the amens. Um, m- maybe some of you don't feel like the devil is really what we should be talking about with, in terms of resistance. You know, maybe that there's, uh, there's more uh, productive things. Maybe you think about, okay, the devil, that's, that's the guy who makes you have a scary dream once a year or something. Or, uh, I mean, like how often do you come in contact with the, the devil? You know. Well, the devil is the right enemy to be talking about for two reasons. One, at least two reasons. One is the scope of his influence, and two is the specificity of his schemes. The devil is the right enemy. First John 5, 9 says this, we know that we are from God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world. Or the, this next verse, 2 Corinthians, it says it even more clearly. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world. And you'd think that'd be referring to, to God. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. There's only one time in the Bible when the God of this world is used, and it's not about Jesus. It's about the devil. And in this verse, we see the devil working in the lives of every person who is not a Christian, at least so far as we're, as we're in this. In this verse, you see it in every person who's not a Christian, bringing blindness to the gospel of the glory of Christ. Blindness to the, to the great light of the world that can save. 
blindness to the love of God, the greatness of God, to our purpose, to, our, the, to the, the creator, to what is, what is real in the world. Blindness. The devil isn't just sending creepy dreams every few years, if he's even doing that. He's, just not, he's not just hanging out with voodoo priests in Haiti. He is actively working in the lives of billions, billions of people to blind them from the light of the gospel. The seed sown in the path is snatched up. The scope of his influence is just massive, and it doesn't stop there. Bring the next Ephesians verse up, Rob. More Ephesians. And you, 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 you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, okay, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So you, before you were saved, followed after the prince of the power of the air, the devil. So understand this. Take this in. The normal, everyday, following after your own sinful passions and desires is following after the devil. That's what it says. Following the course of this world, which is following the prince of the power of the air. Even if you don't know it. There is, there is just no neutral ground. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're a follower of the devil. You're either a servant of God or you're a servant of the devil, even if you don't know it. Because rejecting God is following after the first person who rejected God. You know, choosing career or sex or approval or kids over the holy God who created the world is following after the devil. It's the great exchange. It's choosing something else as God. And so there are only two teams and no middle ground. There is love and obedience to the only good, righteous being in the universe, or there is rebellion against the one, only good and righteous being in the universe. And that other team is Team Satan. And it is influenced by Satan. The scope of his influence is just massive. It's massive. And I do want to say, if, if, you are, if you're in here, you're watching at home, and, and you aren't in Christ, uh, maybe, this, maybe this all just sounds crazy, or maybe you can kind of taste the darkness in your own soul at this point. There is still hope. You can come to Christ and be free. You don't, have to, you don't have to fix yourself. You don't have to deal with all of, your, all of the evil, all the sin in your heart right, right now. You have to go to Christ, come to him, and let him wash you to be free, to become a follower of Jesus, to become a servant of God. It's, it's available to you right now. And so how often do you run into the devil? Every single day. Probably not directly, but at least through the principalities and powers. So there's this there's demonic hierarchy that we saw in Ephesians 6. There's rulers, there's authorities, there's spiritual forces. Most rulers kind of uh, rule by, by speaking. You see God doing that, the creation of the world. He says, let there be light. He doesn't like 
go and like make light. He, he rules by speech. Uh, kings do that. They say, you know, go and get me a glass of water or something, whatever kings say. And, uh, and so likely it's, it's through principalities and powers that we run into the influence of the devil. But the scope of his influence is massive. And also the specificity of his schemes. Remember, this is the resistance. This is the thing we are fighting against, the thing that we need strength for. The more important enemy, the enemy above other enemies, literally. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Schemes can be translated trickery, deceit, cunning arts, but it is not translated jump scares. Do you know what I mean? It's like that part of the movie where uh, the girl's at home by herself and there's something creepy around the corner and you're waiting for the jump. Like that, that's not how that word is translated. That's not what it's talking about. Can you think of a, of a verse in anywhere in Scripture that says, you know, be the watchful of the dark window at nighttime, for the devil might appear. Like, is, is that in Scripture? You know? Kind of the, the main thing that we think about in terms of demonic stuff is just creepy things. You know? But that's, that's not what he's spoken of. That's not, not what he's spoken of as doing in Scripture. Uh, so, I, I mean, maybe if he wants, maybe he will, he'll do that if he wants to mess with you. I don't know. Maybe the, I, want, I don't want limit, <laughs> to limit him to not being creepy, but, uh, but that's, that's not what's in the text anywhere. You know. Yes, if you meet a demon-possessed person this week, do rebuke the spirit. Uh, but this is a more about faith and fear. Let's look at this verse from 1 Corinthians. So we're thinking about what are the schemes of the devil. So if they're not just creeping you out, what are the schemes of the devil? 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So in this verse, you just have two random married Christians. And they're being told not to deprive each other of marital intimacy because the devil might take advantage of it. That's a very telling thing. That means that Satan and his forces can have designs for random Christians. This isn't Peter and Paul. This is just Bob and Frank and Shelley. It's just random Christians. And what is the plan to take advantage of slightly increased sexual drives and shipwreck their lives? That's pretty mundane. That's pretty just normal every day. The God of this world gets involved in the normal everyday stuff. It is not necessarily that every temptation is from the devil, but we must be watchful in regular temptations because there might be more evil at work than we first thought. Like, where, where are you kind of stretching the line with sins? Where are you kind of dabbling in evil, giving an inroads? The devil can take advantage of that and does. We see an example here. Or here's another example of the, the specificity of his plans. Ephesians 4, 
think I get points for quoting from every chapter in Ephesians. We'll see if it happens. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, dot, 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 so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. So deceitful schemes here are just false teachings, tricky teachings. This is about being taught the wrong thing and believing it. Like, like Mormonism. Something that seems Christian, but it's a trick. There's no gospel and there's no power to save. How many have been tricked into hell by believing Mormonism or believing the teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses? The shell of Christianity without a way to be saved from your sins. That is deceitful, satanic trickery. But again, notice notice. The mundity, the mundaneness of it. Notice just how every day this is. Like you, you hear probably a teaching of some sort every day. And the devil is in that. The devil just saturates this life. The schemes of the devil are less scary jump scares and more truly destructive to your soul. The spouse who commits adultery and the young Christian led astray, these are the spoils of war for the devil. To be strong, we need to know the real enemy. The greatest enemy you have besides yourself is the devil, his forces, his plans. He was was there at the beginning of human sin. It wasn't just Adam and Eve alone. There was deception. The devil deceives, accuses, tempts. Deceives, accuses, tempts. So what must we do? I'm going to look at 1 Peter 5. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. So be sober-minded. Be watchful. Know that you live in a war. Know that there is an enemy. Do not, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against the dark spiritual forces. If you don't get this resistance thing, you won't be strong. You'll be confused. And I'm really... I am actually so encouraged by this. I don't know if this is seeming really, well, probably it is just negative. It's dark. A lot of this is dark. But I'm so encouraged and so refreshed. Because are you, are you having trouble in your spiritual walk? Yeah. Has it not been easy? Do you find yourself growing in Christ one minute and then feeling just filled with doubt and fear and despair in another minute? Of course. There is a personality that is, dry, that is trying to shipwreck your faith. There are designs for that. You live surrounded by deceitful sin and deceitful schemes. It cannot be a walk in the park, but a walk in the battlefield. But isn't that good? You're not just a lazy Christian. You're not just bad at this. There's an actual enemy. Be encouraged, brothers and sisters. The way is hard. You You aren't just bad. You know, not to downplay responsibility for sin or anything like that, but it it might be helpful for the man in a battlefield to understand why people are shooting at him. You know, he might just think he he tends to make people angry and be confused, right? That's, no, it's, you're in a battle. That's why. Know the real enemy. Watch out for him. This is our resistance. This is what we fight against, what we need strength for, and in an interesting way gives us strength as we fight. 
But what about you? What, what are you doing? What is, the, what is the thing that you're allowing to, sh- to point you to shipwreck? I know if a lot of us are, uh, well, a lot of us are what's called Calvinists, so we believe in this thing called election and eternal security, and you're going to be saved, and you're going to make it all the way to the end. Paul believed that too, and he still wrote all of these verses. You know, Peter believed that, as we're about to see, and, and, you're, and he's going to say, resist the devil, that the devil walks around seeking for someone to devour Election is a very wide lens. It means that if you are his, the very power that saved you will help you now resist the devil. So don't just, don't just put this aside for the sake of election, but resist the devil. He tempts, he accuses, he deceives, but you can resist the rest of that first Peter passage. So be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Next slide. Resist him firm in your faith. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So you can resist him, not by getting a cross tattoo, not by... Uh, buying stuffed animals of lambs, or I don't know, what else weird, weird things you might want to do. Put a sleep with a cross under your pillow or something. But you can resist him firm in your faith. You can resist him by faith, by resisting the temptation, resisting the accusation, resisting the, depre- the deception. Not with holy water, but by resisting temptation. Faith in trial, that is strength. That is how we resist. Resist him firm in your faith. That's what it was for Joshua in the, in the tent uh, at night, rolling over, just being afraid of his, of his battle plans and p- people losing lives and him messing up the whole thing that God is doing on earth. He needed a firm faith in what God told him. Do not be afraid or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Spiritual strength is a fight of faith. I mean, physical strength obviously has a physical component to it. You, you can believe with all your heart that you can bench 500 pounds. You can be confident and have firm faith and then go up to that, go under that bar and try and totally fail because you don't have the, the, the muscles to back it up. You know, that's, that's how physical strength works in this world. But spiritual strength is different because if you have the heart, then you've won. I just recently listened to a story of uh, of a woman, she, um, she had cancer, and it was, it was very bad. She's young for that. It's her, she's in her 50s, and uh, the doctors opened her up to try to, figure th- to fix things, and they just couldn't tell which, what organ was what at that point, and she was going to pass away. And so the pastor of her church uh, comes to her hospital room, and he is then kind of preached to, taught. She, she starts to expound the, the scripture that has been giving her strength in this time. And so this frail, dying woman was so strong in the Lord that she strengthened the people around her at her dying day, at her dying hour. Like, how strong is that? You don't need to be physically strong for this. You need to have firm faith. 
You need to have confidence in the things of God, the promises of God. They have power. They have power. Let's be strong. We have an enemy with a great scope of influence and very specific plans. What do we do now? How can we be strong? We're going to go back around to Ephesians 6. I think we are missing Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 3. Should have thought about this. Gotten the extra points. Steve would have had to make me brownies or something. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, hey, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You know, it doesn't look like it too much on the surface, but Paul is actually making the same point as Peter. Paul wants us to take the truth of God and to weaponize it. To weaponize it, not just to read it, not just to understand it, not just to write it on a chalkboard, not just to memorize it, but to be able to use it. That's his heart. Is it something you read once, or can you use it to protect your heart when your conscience condemns you? There's a vast difference between the two. Is it old hat, or is it the thing that moves you to go share the gospel? Does it have, does it have weight in your life? Does other, do, you, do you have to interact with it? Do you have to, to get around it and work with it? Is it three-dimensional? Can you use it? Do you use it? It doesn't matter if it's totally memorized or not. If you can use it to defend against temptation and accusation, the deceit of the evil one. He wants us to weaponize the scripture. And yes, I know that a belt is not a weapon. Okay, he's, he's listing out things. Really, all of them are, are, are something to hold on to. He wants you to hold on to truth. He wants you to hold on uh, to, to salvation. He wants you to hold on to righteousness. He wants you to take something and make it useful. A belt isn't usually a weapon. Kind of was in my house uh, when we were kids. Hit each other with belts. But it's not going to work too well in, in the military situation. I understand that. But he wants us to weaponize the word, to make it useful. So let's go back to our hero, Joshua. God said to him, the Lord is with you wherever you go. For it to be useful, Joshua needs to cling to it, to fight his fears with it, to pray it. It needs to be weaponized, made useful for resisting the evil one. The word needs to be made useful in resisting your own sinful tendencies with the fingerprints of the enemy on them. When the promises are a belt to us, when they are a breastplate to us, a sword, a shield, that's when we are strong in the Lord. When the promises are useful, when the promises are profound and impactful in us, be strengthened in the Lord. We got time, so I want to share a story, which I'm, this is just going to be embarrassing, because I'm pretty sure I got this from, from right here. I think Steve shared this, 
and I couldn't find it online, so it could just be wrong. But let's just pretend uh, for now. And so um, once upon a time, you have the, the, the skyscrapers being built in New York. You guys are recognizing this? And so in like the 1930s and stuff like that, there's jobs in the Great Depression. And so these guys they actually do have harnesses, but they're building these skyscrapers hundreds of feet in the air. And uh, sometimes they fell. Uh, for one building I was looking at, it looks like five guys fell off the top, and there's no, there's no surviving that. Um, and, but other times they would fall and then catch themselves on a beam or something. And what I'm told is that they would, they would cling to that beam with such force as they're clinging for their, their life that even when the rescue people come, even when, when it's safe and they can come down, their arms won't unlock. They have to break their arms to get them off of the beam. That, that's what this is. This, this is, can we cling to the word as truly as if, as if it's life and death? Can we cling to it? Can it be real to us? Can it be something that, that saves us and that no one can pry from our hands? So is, was that a Steve one? Is that, no, one, no one's not a, yes, all right, original. No, not really, I don't know who, who said that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, cling. It makes a difference in, the li- in our lives, more than just meditating on it. So uh, as we close here, let's just do this with an appropriate passage. Uh, back to Colossians 2. So we read this earlier. Gianni um, expounded it for us a little bit. Um, man, I just, I love that song, Before the Throne, P.S. It's so good. I was singing that song. I was just like, I don't need to preach. Like, this is so, this is it. This is the good stuff. Uh, anyway. Back to the sermon. All right. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. Who's that? That's the devil. It's the rulers and authorities we're hearing of in Ephesians 6. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So let's just, let's just play with this. Let's, let's try to make this something more than just words on a page for us. Brothers and sisters, your, your sins are gone. They are gone, washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. There was a legitimate legal demand because of your sin, and it was canceled. The devil wants to cripple you with guilt and that feeling that God doesn't really want you to have joy in him. But enough of that. There is no sin to speak of. If God looks at your file, there's there's nothing there. Just a little asterisk that says, see Jesus Christ. Right? It's gone. The most, really the most powerful thing Satan possibly had was the ability to condemn eternally through correct things, through condemning, get, tr- tempting people to sin, fall, and then be eternally condemned. That's the best thing that he can do. But for you, that is not the case because you have no record of your sins. It's gone. Let it change you. This is wonderful. The gospel, this is, this is life from the dead, that it is canceled. You are forgiven. That thing that's, that you're just so guilty of, you've talked to God about it, you've tried, to, you've asked for forgiveness for it, and it still weighs on you. No, that record is gone. You've been raised to new life. 
and Satan has been disarmed. Guys, pray it. Use it. Use it in your heart. Don't, let your, don't just go through the Christian life without the power of the word changing and shaping you. Be strong in the Lord. This is how we do it. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Oh, make that, make that useful in your soul. This, we're talking about the way we, we treat the words. That's what, that's what we're talking about. The way we treat the promises of God. No. Let's make them useful. Be strengthened by God. So we're not going to go through um, every piece of the armor. You've, uh, you've heard, probably heard 40 different interpretations of them already. And uh, 38 of them are probably, I think, are silly. So um, just, just kidding. We, yeah, so they're, um, but they are all about taking something true and holding on to it. Taking something true and holding on to it. Resisting the devil firm in your faith. So brothers and sisters, be strong. Be strong. Be strengthened in the Lord. Know that you are not in a neutral space. Know that you're in a battlefield. And weaponize the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you command us to be strong. You commanded Joshua, but not just him. That command is for us today as we see clearly in Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord. Thank you, God, that you are a God who wants us strong and a God who gives us strength. Thank you that we are not left in this dark world to fend for ourselves, but you've given us everything we need in Christ. Oh, Father, would you do so much in our hearts to, to allow us to weaponize the word to make it useful, to make it powerful in our hearts. God, we, we know really it's you who does that. Oh, but God, give us the intentionality to pray, to, to, to bring these things in, to beat them into a shields for us. And then your spirit, Lord, loves to work in that, to work in our hearts, to shape us. God, please give us strength. Please give us strength, Lord, for 2020 and 2021 and 2022. God, give us strength that lasts longer than our lives. Oh, God, help us to hold on like that woman in the hospital. To be strong in you, God. God, as we, uh, as we transition here, uh, would you be with us? Would you be glorified and help us, Father, to, to let these things be our reality. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Thank you, Jason, for that message from the Word of God. Encouraging message to remind us that we are in a war. And as we are in a war, we need to pray. And Thursday, we're going to have a virtual prayer meeting. You can join us through Zoom, and it should be on our e-news, how you can come and join us to pray. So I would encourage you to join us this Thursday as we pray. Well, now it's time for communion. And I want you to think about something. Think about that first night that there was communion.
or that first day that there was communion. The Lord Jesus Christ instituted it. And the very fact that we are here doing it today is evidence of the faithfulness of God and the truth of the gospel. We are here. And we are remembering the Lord because he instructed us to do that. And it has been carried on because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 26, I read, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take ye, this is my body. Jesus did that for his church, those of us that trust in him. So if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are welcome to join us in partaking of the bread and of the cup. So Jesus prayed, and Lord, we thank you. Thank you that you gave your body for us. And he said, take it. scripture says and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom Lord we thank you shed your blood on our behalf for the forgiveness of our sins. And we told them to drink of the cup. And we will continue to worship our God. You all can stand whenever you're ready. We have one last song to sing together.